my spidey sense is tingling. He's the executive producer of all our dreams, the line producer of our hearts, and the host of this very Paper Keg Podcast, episode 126. You're listening to Slim. Welcome to the show, uh, paperkeg.com, the greatest comic book podcast to ever come out of the state and tri-state area of Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we talk about the books we read during the week, and then we just hop into a hot, tasty book club. Wolverine Origin. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You know, I'll introduce our hosts with the moderately enough. He's uh, he's a father. He's wearing a bright white Hanes tee in front of mine eyes. Sepia uh, stud. He just got a brand new iPad Air. Fancy right. pants. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, do not adjust uh, your screens if you're watching live. Uh, that is not a filter. That is my skin doing that to thine eyes. Uh, thine. Uh, you're going to drop thine more business jargon on the line producers? I may. And the Verily. I just want to say that uh, our next host, your hair is Blowing my mind. I don't know how it's sticking straight up like that. It's amazing. It gets to the point where I know I have to get it cut. I know I have to get it cut. Don't ever cut it. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough week work-wise. I usually get it cut on my lunch hour. Sure. I go to a barber. As they say, there used to be barbers. BDS. A barbra. A a chichurgeon, as they would say in the old days. Uh, That voice of the BDS that goes to a barber, uh, he is the showrunner, executive producer of a new podcast called Book Jug, where he and another host talk about the novels that they read and or listen to. Uh, VP of merch of Paper Keg also. He's a father. He's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. Um... Dale underscore, I welcome to the show. Sometimes I just need, uh, you know, something to just get me through. All right, just 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 a little bit more, and I'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Spoken like a true man in denial. Feels good to be here. the uh, The four day week since recording Akira Keg has kind of skipped along pretty hastily, and uh, here we find ourselves again. I, you know, I was thinking that. This is, like we needed to renumber the show like Paper Keg One AA after Akira, first show post Akira. What a show that was! The response has been through the roof. Yeah, we've had a pretty pretty warm response, I and mean, people are you know, a impressed with, with your us. Hair. B impressed with my hair. You know, 
and the little wings that stick out from uh, underneath my headphones and hats because it just it's just growing over my ear like uh, like the kid from Hook and his long if, hair over his ears. Rufio, no, the Jack. Rufi- that's the only. Uh, I think that's the only name character of that movie that anybody knows. But I just want to say one thing: there are so many Google Hangout popovers happening right now. I can't see anything. <laughs> I, if I make one false move in my mouse, I'm closing the whole thing. The whole thing's shutting down. <laughs> Get out of here, Google Hangout. You stink. Good luck, America. <laughs> uh, what a show we have. Wolverine Origin, Paul Jenkins, Andy Kubert, Richard Eisenhoff. Mean, a book you were so excited about, you wrenched it in live on the air before anybody could even debate and no, or that's rebut. True. You just said, uh, you know, without anyone else having a, a chance to speak, you just threw it out there as... I, I think we decided, eh, friends? I realize that, you know, and it's 2013 and everybody has a podcast, but if you don't and you have never had the opportunity to try to schedule a podcast book club... <sighs> Just go and jump over a cliff now. Go run into the nearest traffic 18-wheeler oncoming. Don't bother trying to schedule a podcast. First of all, Dale has got these suggestions that are just so zany. You know, he needs to throw them out there. You know, why don't we do X? Let's just do it. And Dan, meanwhile, Jonesy hears someone whisper a, a book name. He's already buying eight copies of it. Got it, guys. I'm already reading. It's over. It's just, it's a delight. I love this. You know, you too. Um, what a show we have planned. Obviously. Let's never end it. Obviously, you can uh, tell. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Wolverine Origin. We'll get into it later in the show. Uh, around the halfway mark. But uh, maybe we should just get right into the comic talk right now. Immediately. Dale underscore A. You Whoa. look great. You sound great. Uh, what did you read this week? I feel great. Okay? Yeah. And I'm about to make you feel. All right. Uh, all I a little book you. coming from Camp Joe Hill. Hmm. And, Love that camp. Um, Scary, though. And a, a, and one artist, a big uh, old timey favorite of ours, C. P. Wilson the Third. Oh, uh, stuff of legend fame. Oh, mm. Mm. Uh, Wraith, welcome to Christmas Land. What? And uh, Joe Hill, and a title like Wraith, welcome to Christmas Land paints. You know, it, it sets a nice baseline for what this comic is. And basically what it revolves around so far is this character. His uh, his name is Charles, I believe. Charlie Manx. He drives a 1938 Rolls-Royce Wraith. And what the first issue is, well, in the first two pages, okay? Wraith, Charlie, Charlie Manx looks gas. He looks like white as Jonesy. Okay. <laughs> The best part of that is that you stopped yourself from saying ghastly and then compared it to Josie. I mean, on the on the spectrum of colors. The spectrum Jonesy of is more alive accurate. to corpse. Right. There's the warm whites and then there's the icy ghost whites of Jonesy. The bleached whites, if you will. Charlie Manx is driving this Rolls Royce Wraith with a little girl in the back seat. A little girl's curled up into the corner, 
knees to her chest. She's whimpering. Charlie Max is like, don't you worry, because when we get to Christmas land, all your dreams are going to come true, okay? Little yeah. girl's like got tears running down her eyes. This is not, will not be good, you think, right? Mm-hmm. Charlie Manx goes into his life story. Um, he was the son of a, uh, a popular girl, a popular woman in town who worked at a inn in, uh, you know, the mid, in Colorado, a mining town. She was very popular uh, based on the amount of money the client she, had. Would you say she was a lady of the night? Yes, you're okay. absolutely right about that. And he had a terrible, terrible upbringing. He, uh, Joe Hill paints vivid pictures of, a t- uh, of an awful life this kid had. And it all came to a head when one day uh, out of the inn is kicked out a guy who was trying to make it with Charlie's mom. You know, he paid his money. But he couldn't, uh, you know, totally legal transaction. He couldn't deliver, and oh, he was guy. he was PO'd. And Charlie that day it was around Christmas time, and he got to spend a little bit of money that he uh, he earned. His mom usually took it all from him, but it was Christmas, so he was allowed to buy something. He bought a sled. Sleds down this hill, and along comes this fella after him, saying, "Your mom uh, owes me, and I feel like you know you could." You know, I could get payment from you. Oh. It's a terrible thing to Charlie Manx. Oh, gosh. And there's a there's a panel from where Charlie's like this, you know, wretched-looking kid. His, and when he crosses over into this, like, crazed, he, I mean, he looks normal, but his eyes go white, and, like, there's snowmen he had built around him in his little sledding area. The snowmen kind of, like, get evil looking but what i think is happening it's all in his head the snowmen are like portraying what's like the rage in his in his mind and he uh he like rips the bottom off of his sled and basically like tears this guy to bits goes back to town tears his mom to bits whoa and a couple other people okay goes off the grid for 15 20 years ends up marrying a nice little lady in kansas and uh, the dad, the dad of the lady was uh, very well off until a sno- stock market crash. And, um, you know, their their lives basically go to H. You know, they're at each other's throats. They're working in the dust bowl. They're in the on the farm every day. It's bad, bad, bad times. Um, the wife is pretty abusive to Charlie. One day, uh, you know, a snake oil salesman comes into town saying, you know, you uh, $10,000 towards this Christmas land that I'm building in Colorado, and I guarantee you $10,000 uh, a month for the rest of your you know, Christmas land is in existence. Wow. Basically, he gets taken for a ride. He, he t- gets a second mortgage on the house, gives this guy ten ten grand. He buys a, a 1938 Rolls-Royce Wraith to uh, drive the family to Christmas land. He doesn't tell the wife he does this, and... When they're um, on the ride, it, it, it basically the the confrontation comes to a head where they're on the ride. Oh, and the the, the car has like a special history where basically a, a dad killed himself and his family in this car. Spoilers. 
spoilers. And uh, they're driving to Christmas Land, and uh, something bad happens to the kids. They basically turn like ghoulish, and they're just like crazed, waiting to go to Christmas Land, and and uh, they kind of like I don't know, they like, start biting their mom. It's Good really heavens. it's really morbid. It's but it, I mean C P Wilson the way he draws it, it's insane. And uh, so he gets the, they get to Christmas Land, and turns out is Christmas Land was just acres of forest, and the uh, the owner put up these like two candy cane poles to the entrance of this forest, and hired loggers with some of the money he made from the investors, and got them to cut down a bunch of trees, and then ran off with the rest of the money. So. Charlie Manx is uh, drives into the entrance of Christmas Land, and there's this log. He's like, yeah, "No, didn't you hear that? He, th- you know, he took off of the, everybody's money. He went to Argentina or something." Mm. So that was like the super turning point for Charlie Manx, and he just, I mean, he's got like this this snow, this snowy look in his eyes and stuff. You, I mean, if you're down for some wild, dark reading, yeah, and not dark because it's not hyper violent, but the way he looks and the way Joe Hill describes Charlie Manx's mindset during this is completely bananas. Like it's it's creative and wild stuff. Wild. Did you ever, did you ever read his uh, The Cape? No, I never read that. That one's pretty. Is that the one that got turned into uh, that ABC show, or is that not related N- property? Unrelated. It's about this kid that had a a. Um, <clears throat> blanket that he turned into a cape and it turned out that the cape allowed him to fly so he like kind of grew up to be a big jerk and use the cape to his advantage it was that was a dark book too joe hill he's good man um let's talk about a book that i read if i may not sure what i want to talk about either marvel knights x-men or Manifest Destiny, which I feel like could have been Jonesy's pick for a book. No, no, it's not. Uh, I would rather you talk about Amazing X-Men number uh, number one so you can explain some of it to me. Um, but that's up to you. Amazing X-Men number one? Yeah, I'm calling the book you're going to talk about. <laughs> you're word. the Babe Ruth of podcasts. <laughs> um, Amazing X-Men actually came out two weeks ago, though. So what, what, what's oh, your, what's your gripe with Amazing X-Men? No gripe at all. Loved it. Uh, but I missed that point in X-Men comics where they kind of give Nightcrawler that Origin. angelic, demonic backstory. Good. And I was hoping you'd sum it I, up for me. I'd actually prefer not because it was probably pretty a, a poor period. That's actually along that era where um, the Chuck Austin era of writing where a lot of people think of him as like the worst X-Men writer in history. But his earlier his earlier stuff wasn't actually that bad, but he eventually was writing it when um, that he wrote that storyline, and then at the, around that time they had a famous Japanese artist come on to the title and do the art, right? Yeah, and do they, the art, and every character had like this weird triangle nose, and it just wasn't a, a, a high point in the in the series of X Men. Yeah, Angel carried a sword for some reason, right? Yes, he wore like a knight suit. That was also the period where Angel had a healing factor, and he could heal really fast, and he was just gorgeous. But um, let's move on to talk about your book, please. Manifest Destiny from Skybound 
This is that uh, Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark book, right? Yeah, it is. This is the Lewis and Clark um, revisionist quote story, um, which shows them uncovering the secrets of our great and glorious country of America. Um, it the it's actually there's like a vibe to it where I'm not sure if anyone else picked up on it, but. In short, Lewis and Clark are you know are on this uh, this voyage, and they eventually come to land, and they see like this weird stuff happening. That's like the super short version, um, but you see what kind of hijinks and mystery they get to uncover in their journey, and they arrive at this one area where they see this large um, kind of tree uh, nature structure. Um, and they're, they're curious to know how anyone could have built it. So they continue on and continue moving, and they eventually see this strange creature attack them. And eventually they, 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 they stop it and they kill it. But once you see this creature, you're kind of like, whoa, what the F is going on? You know, what did they walk themselves into? And there's a really interesting B-plot already where um, the crew that they have... Uh, that they've chosen or was were forced to cho- chosen are people without families and kind of like you you're hired for this job with Lewis and Clark uh, under the assumption that you may not come back. Um, so these are people that you know some people might not miss them if they don't come back. They also have a crew of kind of like ne'er de wells like criminals that are chosen to come on board this ship. And there I also picked up on a vibe that. And I don't know, it was just the way that Lewis looked at Clark uh, across the story, but I, I picked up the subtle vibe that they were lovers in this book. Or that, at the very least, Lewis was, uh, had feelings for Clark. But it's a great first issue. I mean, not but, aside from that. It was just a thing that I picked up. Um, great first issue. Another great image title. Other I than can't the wait. two uh, men loving each other. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Which I don't have any problem with. Excited for more. I have to ask: Does Sacagawea uh, fi- you know, figure into this uh, series at all? You know, I think um, that's a very racist comment, and you'll have My to read God, on to. How's it racist find if out. it's her name? Very insulting. Yeah, okay, I apologize to our listeners. Word. Um, Jonesy loves beer. Sacagawea historian. <laughs> Uh, what did you read this week? So the record date of this show is uh, November the 14th. The very happy birthday of show favorite Christopher Somney. My word. Uh, artist extraordinaire. It also coincides uh, with the second week of uh, Marvel's Thor The Dark World. So uh, Slim's company Comixology has been having a pretty great Thor sale. So I picked up a title I never read before. And that's a Somni classic called Thor the Mighty Avenger. Have you guys ever read this uh, title? Thor the Mighty uh, Avenger? I think I read the first four issues. Okay, so I, I just read the first issue so far, but I did download both volumes. And I am going to continue reading. Uh, and the story is pretty different uh, from what we've seen before. Uh, I can compare it almost to like um, the work Fractions doing on Hawkeye, where it's not exactly... You know, the story we've heard a million times, it kind of goes off on its own. And it's um, 
really centered around Jane Foster, who is like a museum curator in this uh, issue. And uh, she's kind of, you know, a lonely woman, and she kind of looks out her window one night, and uh, the Bifrost from Asgard zips by, and there's, a, you know, lightning and thunder. The next day, she gets some pretty great news that she's going to have a uh, pretty big exhibit coming through her museum. She goes out to celebrate with a coworker, and uh, who gets tossed out of the pub in front of her but Thor. Uh, you come to find out that while her coworker thinks he's a homeless vagrant because he's dressed so strange and getting thrown out of bars, he's actually confronting uh, who I thought was a daredevil villain previous, uh, Mr. Hyde, who's kind of, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, super strong uh, villain. Uh, they go at it. Jane kind of takes a shining to Thor because he's kind of brave and he's sticking up for uh, a girl that Mr. Hyde is stalking in the bar. So she takes a... Sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stalking. Almost like that guy, the Wraith, you know. Sick of You have to worry about. So Thor kind of befriends her and says, hey, look, you know, your museum, uh, there's an urn that I really want to get at. Do you trust me? And uh, she says, yeah, you know, we just met, but you're kind of like a big honky, you know, blonde, blonde guy. We're going to make this happen. So uh, the first issue ends. The, he smashes the urn, and in it is Mjolnir. And uh, so we're we're going to find out how that takes us in the second issue. It's a pretty great first issue, especially um, if you're not into Thor or you don't like Thor and you haven't picked up Jason Aaron's amazing Thor run. Uh, this is kind of like a nice no stakes you know, no, you know, hundreds of issues of background story you need to know. It's just a fun, you know, Thor story. And Somni's art takes like a muscle-bound kind of dumb blonde Thor and kind of makes him this ethereal, lithe figure, which is different. It's different than any Thor art I've ever seen. It's a different Thor character model than I've ever seen. I really enjoy it. And uh, if you got a couple bucks, uh, pick it up. Uh, Thor the Mighty Avenger. It's available in the as a digital trade in Comicsology. You're implying that we should probably uh, do the run as a book club one day. Okay, that's fine. I would. Uh, I would certainly fine. do the run as a book club, especially you know Somni Dale. Absolutely, Christopher Somni. You know, happy birthday, Chris. First of all, um, well, I'm sure you and Dale have some kind of magical evening plan. Uh, I'm thinking a steakhouse. And, uh, you know, scotches, a nice McAllen, 25-year McAllen, I'm sure, is being prepped for this very evening. But uh, I would love to do this as a book club. I know Thor isn't, you know, necessarily your bag or Slim's bag, but, you know, I think if we're willing to give a shot, I will will love this as a book club. Jason Aaron's Thor is my bag, I'll tell you that much. I don't know. I'd rather do that. If I had to pick between this and Aaron's Thor, what if Jason Aaron was doing this new Thor with Sony on art? I mean, we now. I like the art on it now. I can't. Yeah. I can't be trusted with. Yeah, this I decision. almost can't. I, I wouldn't want to picture uh, Jason Aaron's Thor with any other artists than ha- what he's had, because it's so epic in scale. It just, oh my god, it's amazing. That character model for the old, like uh, I think they refer to him as the Runic Emperor Thor, where he's got the eye patch and, and his arms really the Destroyer's arm that he kind of. Must have stolen some point in the past, and he's got like that bad A Norse sword, and the, you know, along with his hammer. It's such a cool character model. Um, we're running out of time. Oh yeah, oh, we're yeah. running out of time. We need to get into the lightning round. Uh, two sentences or less. 
Dale underscore A. If you even had time to read a second book this week, what was it? Um, Little Golden Books. As a child, you probably remember these as uh, your parents and your parents before them. They've been around a while. Little Golden Books have released a Marvel line and I read it to my son tonight. I loved it. Grayson did not love it. Uh, Captain America, issue 13. Uh, the Return of Nuke. Uh, amazing new character by Remendo Jet Black. Uh, some of the most introspective Cap with some of the best Cap action. Uh, this run just keeps getting better and better. Marvel Knights X-Men. A out-of-continuity line of storytelling continues to get better and better. Go read it. Wolverine Origin. By Paul Jenkins, Andy Kubert, and uh, Richard Isenov. Isenov. Richard I. On uh, color slash paints. Jonesy loves beer. What is what's the backstory on this book? What is what is this book we're about to talk about? So in the. 19th century, uh, towards the close, in the wonderful world of uh, Canada, a young girl, Rose, um, takes on as a servant to the Howlets, and they are a a much wealthy uh, family who kind of supports the territories around them. Uh, the grandfather made um, a fortune in mining. And now his son, who they refer to as Soft John, because he's a you know warm-hearted fellow, kind of takes over the family business and takes in strays. Uh, one of those strays, besides Rose, is the uh, landscaper, uh, Mr. Logan, Tom Logan, and his son, referred here as Dog. Um, and, you know, other townspeople who wouldn't have had such a great life if it weren't for the Howlets. Uh, there is some, you know gossip about the family the older son of soft john uh died uh shortly after childbirth and uh, we're led to believe that it drove uh mrs howlett slightly insane now she's a shut-in uh their younger son james is uh, a sickly boy uh you know can't really go out in the light you know the the fresh air makes him sick so he's very pampered in that way and Despite all that, and despite the curse that the townspeople feel that the, it is on the Howlett family, uh, Rose, uh, James, and Dog uh, form a fast friendship. They grow up together. Uh, Dog very quickly falls in love with Rose, as does James in his own way, and they flower into youth together. Unfortunately, Dog 
is you know from the wrong side of the those Canadian tracks, and he wants Rose and he wants what he wants, and he you know along with his father Tom Logan don't like the Howlets. They think they're you know lording in their faces that they got so much money. So in a horrific chain of events, um, Tom Logan goes to invade the Howlets and get his um, soft John a shot. By Tom, you very quickly figure out that uh, the children of Soft John are more probably Tom Logan's children. And as James, you know, weeps over the body of his father, bone claws rip through his hands. Jesus. This child is a mutant. Rose flees with James, the only best friend she's ever known. And uh, as young teenagers flowering into 20 somethings, uh, they escape to a mine where they live out the rest of their lives, as it were, or is it? <laughs> origin. We all know here, friends, this book has been out long enough that this is the origin of James Howlett, Logan, Wolverine. If um, if you guys haven't read it, but uh, can picture... It's just like Anne of Green Gables and Gilbert Blythe is James Howlett and Boneclaws exist. And Rose is Anne with an E? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, here we here we are. Um, origin, the story, the greatest story never told, and they told it. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what the back matter, my hardcover, uh, spoken about. The Marvel Retreat one year, they needed ideas. Joe Q just stepped up as uh, editor-in-chief. Wanted to make a a splash. Um, Let's just get right into it, you know? I I don't... I... Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, man. Brace yourself, Slim. It... Harden your heart. I really loved it. What? But... The it after it, all this hubbub surrounding the greatest story never told. I'm probably going to be prodding you guys for some answers, but the the end made it a completely like throwaway story. I feel. Hmm. Where, Meaning the uh, when the, her journal was destroyed. Yes. yes. Um, why throwaway? Throw away in what manner? Well, I feel like it's it was just it's just another way of it was just a different way of kind of like making the story modular and throwaway because it seems to me like the whole story centered around Rose really wanting James to find out the truth because he does he doesn't remember what happened to his family in his berserker rage, I guess. Is that what, that's what I'm trying to, I, this volume, uh, for me, uh, and I, I'll gush about it later, but to your point, Dale, it's very definitive, and then it took a lot of stuff that fans argued over for a long time and made them canon. So, bone claws were always there, we know that now. I mean, there was a big argument whether Wolverine had bone claws the old time, or Weapon X gave him claws, and, you know, were bone claws an artistic choice, so... Bone claws became part of his origin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and second of all, 
Uh, you know, there was a lot of conjecture over why he has such a bad memory. Was it all Weapon X? You know, there have been some points up to this where, you know, he didn't remember stuff pre-Weapon X, and it establishes here that his healing factor doesn't just affect his body. Uh, he will actually heal over traumatic events with amnesia uh, to uh, to heal his, you know, emotional well-being, uh, not just his physical well-being. So that, uh, for me, this volume is definitive and it takes all that arguing that all the fans did and made, you know, gave us some answers as how his powers really worked. I now see, I never picked up that his healing factor was contributing to his healing over traumatic events. I just pictured, I just, I surmised from the story that he must have been in some fit, some rage, and he didn't even remember who Rose was at, at for a time after the traumatic events. Yeah, I can't and, remember where I can't remember where they said the the healing factor also healed over memories. I can't remember if it was origin or somewhere something around the same time. But that was it didn't, like it a didn't big, explicitly st- say it, it in this it, six issues. It doesn't, and I can't remember what. St- I just tried to Google it real quick, um, and I can't seem to find out. And I should know this, but there was it might have been House of M or it was. Um, or it, it might have been Origins, that ongoing, which maybe this kind of oh. teased you that something was going on with his memories. And then later on, it explained that, you know, his healing factor also healed over bad memories. Because that, like, to Wolverine reader, like, that kind of nugget, like, would would solve, like, all um, storyline things, like, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, any kind of break in the story. And then regarding the bone claws, the that one was Wolverine seventy five, I think. Remember when Magneto like ripped out his adamantium? Yep. Oh, and yeah. he had those bone claws. Like that one was that one was like a big deal too. But the the memory thing, like I kind of forgot um, in the story that where they're like in that barn and he like doesn't remember who Rose is or he doesn't remember what happened in the house. Like I totally forgot that, that even happened on reread. Yeah. And so, th- so getting back to it, so that happens, that kind of establishes that he doesn't remember what happened 15 minutes ago and, and the, the very awful bedroom of that house. And so what that establishes is for the next, I don't know, five years when they're living in that mining town, James never approaches the subject. He doesn't want to talk about what happened. He he kind of knows something was up, but he apparently he doesn't remember at all because Rose is determined that he find out in this journal. And then at the the last page is that fat chef throwing the journal like throwing the journal in the fire, and that's what I think made it so modular. Like, sure, it works because it 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 enforces the past. 30 years of Wolverine or however long Wolverine's been around because he the one piece of uh of memory that he could have had other than Rose herself which you know died as well the the one confession was like just thrown out it's almost like you know like a a, a mind wipe or some other kind of tropey um tropey kind of action in in a story and yeah. that's where I felt like yeah. it was like kind of modular, kind of cheap, but I can understand why they did it, but it almost makes me say, 
um, that didn't contribute to the greatest story never told. I liked, you know, almost the opposite of your point, Dale. I kind of like some of the stuff it sourced for like Wolverine's tendencies, even though he doesn't really remember where they came from. Like uh, his love of redheads obviously starts mm. with the fact that he grew up with Rose and her fire red hair all his life. And, and don't get, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I love the story. I just felt like the, vo- the modular, the modular cheap, very end was kind of like cheapened for me, but yeah, when when Cookie threw that journal, it even happened when I reread it. So at the end, he throws the journal in the fire. Like that, like made me like physically angry yeah, that yeah. all that stuff was just burnt. And even yes. though yes. this story is being told to the reader, it makes me feel upset that um, the only record that we're aware of of uh, James Hallett story is eradicated. And, you know, obviously years later, Wolverine is, he has regained his memories, but I did just look it up. It was Wolverine 175 by Frank Thierry, where they kind of explained that his regenerative healing capabilities would also heal over memories. And that was a year, maybe like a couple, maybe six months after this series ended. So it was very close to each other. Um, But the... But the but but at the same time where that gets you know wiped out the the storyline, I'm okay with it because it fits in to the Wolverine character where he he obviously has no idea what happened when he was younger and this is you know part of that reason there was no record of it. But the when this I remember when this book first came out, obviously there was the internet outcry. I so guess there was, so there was paint internet. the picture for me because I I was like a two two maybe a year or two years removed. Before I got back into comics, and I remember going to like Wizard World Philly in maybe '03, and like all the dealers had like the six issues for, as a bundle for sale. You could buy it for fifty bucks. You know, who knows mm-hmm. how much I was going for? But was this like a huge deal? This, yeah, this was like really. This was probably their number one uh, seller that year, um, and it was like you know the the consensus was. They shouldn't tell the story, but this was around the era where Bill Jemis was still working at Marvel and was, you know, throwing S at the wall and just to see if it would stick. You know, the Ultimate Universe was around this time frame too. Uh, it started at that same area. They also did some kind of weird, you know, we'll start three miniseries and you vote to see which one continues on. Hmm. Where I think okay. even Quesada did one. Bill Jemis wrote one and there was another one. It was really weird, like zany ideas. Um, but me as a Wolverine reader, I was like super fascinated by it. Like I was like, all right, yeah, give me, I'm, I'm, I'll read this, you know, I'm excited to see what it is. And I ended up really enjoying the story, which is funny because I enjoyed this and hated Wolverine origins, the series. Yeah. Not by well documented how, how much you hated it. Is that just like did that spin out of this mini because this mini did so well? No, it it was House of M. The storyline, um, you know, everybody gets in this parallel world where you know Magneto has taken over the planet, and Scarlet Witch fulfills the wish of Logan to have all of his memories. So all of a sudden, Logan remembers everything, total recall from uh, his childhood on. So after, you know, the pieces get put back in place from House of M, Logan still remembers everything. 
So what he does is he sets out to wrong or to right uh-huh. all the wrongs done by everybody to him in the past. Oh, so okay. he sets out on like a killing spree now that he can remember everybody who's F with him, you know, f- since childhood. He's going to go out and exact his revenge, which pr- on premise alone is amazing. Right. But I think in execution, it was a little too out there. There was a lot of the, you know, Mora Masa, uh, too much Mora Masa stuff, too much. Um, well, there's like a big difference in origin and origins. Like origin tells a very short segment of his origin, which is like the very beginning for a few years. But origins, Romulus, you know, if you consider if you consider Wolverine's time like a huge puzzle where, you know, 80 per, like maybe 50 percent of the pieces are missing like they went in to try to like really push in all the remaining puzzle pieces and it just really was in a manner that i didn't want to read like wolverine during the wars was kind of like a mercenary for you know say the germans Magerpore. or the americans and he was just oh. not a good person in that era and he actually didn't even come off as a good person in a lot of the stories which is a big turnoff but origin you know, I was fine with. I loved the story. And when it came out, they showed that promotional cover. I think it was two where they showed the hill. Or maybe that was issue one. I think the hill where they, they had the three characters. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. Dog was the prominent one. And James was in the distance. So for me as a reader, just reading this story as you go through, you think that Dog is Wolverine. Like, it's obvious to you that Dog is Wolverine. Like, ah, you know, his father is Logan. He is going to be Wolverine. So when issue two, I think, or three comes around, and it's revealed that James Hallett is Wolverine, like, you are literally thrown for a loop. Like, I remember reading this, and I was, like, crapping myself. Like, are you kidding me? This kid, this sickly kid is Wolverine? Like, I did not see it coming at all, and it, like, shocked me. Because because even from issue one, Thomas Logan looks like Wolverine. Like yeah. it's a spitting image for Wolverine. Not even so. You you have to assume that dog is going to be his son. He, I mean, he is. He, I at, there were times where I thought he was Wolverine. Yeah, and I mean, his upbringing would be like, oh, yeah, here you go, alcoholic father. This kid's a kid gets beat up all the time. He's Wolverine, not mm-hmm. James Hallett, the rich, yuppie family, totally has everything you'd ever want. You know, he wears these goofy white blouses and plays with those little like you know hula hoop toys in the streets. Yeah, and and that was like that that blew me away. The only clue that he really gives you is when Rose walks in on Mrs. Hallett, and there's the Wolverine esque claw marks. Yeah like on her side that maybe the first child gave her. But I think you're so overwhelmed by dog as, especially when dog is a teenager and he's got the, the hair that comes out, like he's starting to get Wolverine hair. You're like, nah, that it's a him. Like he's Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And even then when they, there was a lot of questions too around the dog character where a lot of people, myself included, wanted dog to be saber like yeah, this was going to so be the final tie oh. because when you had read Wolverine for 20 years, there were always like seedlings dropped that Sabretooth was either his father or his brother, like yeah. all across his history. Like, especially like dog, like toss around, I think the word runt, 
Yeah. Like on yeah. more than yep. one occasion. Not, so and not me, just the people from the mining town. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I read this and Dog came back and still had the scars, that kind of almost solidified that it's likely the case that he's not Sabretooth. But even then, it was still kind of hazy. And I think later on, they finally said, you know, Dog is not Sabretooth. But that, like, really annoyed me. Like, why would you not make this character Sabretooth? Like, this is, like, the ultimate time for you to do that. And I yeah, never yeah, really... opportunity. I never really understood why they didn't. But, I mean, because they did be- come back with Dog as a character now, and it kind of works. But I don't know if Sabretooth's history at that point was, was so muddied that they didn't want to make him his brother. It was a really curious choice. Yeah, because they you felt... Like, I feel like they took so many other liberties with just putting in stuff that was either kind of predicted or tossed around as a story at one point or another into this book, like, like uh, you know, Logan, like, running with a pack of wolves in his free time and his enhanced hunting abilities and stuff, like, like everything, his, his cage, you know, fighting in the ring at the end. And yeah. I, but, I mean, I, I, I love the story, and I love... I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird because I guess Origins would paint a better picture, but by the end of the book, I mean, Wolverine is kind of like an upstanding guy. He's just he was made foreman of this mining operation and like, you know, he's pro- he's got some issues. He like he inadvertently spoilerly spoilers kills Rose by accident, but I mean, he he was he's a he was nice and he wasn't like there were, I I had a little bit of a issue because he was re, way more reserved than like other times he he was leading his like his character. Like at times, I I didn't know why his character was being so reserved because at times he was just like an upstanding kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I think that was primary Rose's influence, though. No, I, mean, yeah. I, I always thought that, you know, he was like one step away from cracking up and Rose really grounded him. And I think even, you know, in the last issue, you know, when before the fight for Rose, uh, when Logan kind of realizes that, you know, Rose is not going to be a romantic option for him, he kind of starts to become bad, A. Eh? And, you know, there's that scene where Cookie is going through Rose's belongings and Wolverine's in the doorway, and you get the definite impression that he's going to F this guy up. Like, yeah, which was awesome. I mean, it was yeah. good to see him taking a stand, but to see him, like, to see him, like, rubbing off on the the other townspeople, like, how he was, like, an example. He was just a hard worker, and he did his job, nose to the grind, and these people looked up to him, and they almost, like... You know, Cookie got peed off because these people are like this. I mean, why are we hang around with this loser? That like Logan over there is just like a really good guy, and and you know we've been given Logan crap this whole time because we wanted to be in Cookie's good graces. Mm-hmm. So he's like leading by example. Is just like it's really, you know. And he started like kind of making friends with these people. He'd go to the bar with them and and uh, kind of start like palling around with them and stuff. I thought that was really cool. There was some we- like on the reread. Um, this might be the first time I've reread it in a few years, but on the reread, it was a weird dynamic where he would still be like running with the wolves, um, which in and of itself, you know, you're a bad A if you do that 
<laughs> yeah. Like there's, you're a tough Absolutely. guy. No but fact. when he would like be in a confrontation mode with Cookie, he would still cower, which was like a weird, like, I didn't understand some of that on the reread. Like there was this weird, like, I, I don't think you can make him run with wolves at night and then mm-hmm. cower to Cookie at the same time. I had I had the same exact thoughts, especially the uh, the expression on his face. Like he, they, like they made him look like a, an angelic, like teen still when he was like cowering in Cookie's presence and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I I, I found um, I found that to be peculiar too because his his uh, transitions from like one panel to the next where he had like this angelic innocent face where he was shocked by what yeah. Cookie was doing to him. And then he'd have like this hard, muscly body while he's spearing deer and and there, them. there was I I actually was really bummed out because rereading and I think I had the same impression when I first read it. But Andy Kubert's art on his depiction for Wolverine and his age was very uneven in a lot of places. Like mm-hmm. he looked yeah, like I a thirteen-year-old in some or spots, like a thirty-year-old, and then he was in the bar smoking a cigar. Yeah, and, and his mutton chops were just like bad. Like, like in any grown. given scene. Jensen, and I think you even mentioned like late twenties in the synopsis. You could totally get that from the art, but yeah, and in like two pages later, he could be a thirteen-year-old in spots. Like it's entirely possible that this book ended when he was fourteen or mm-hmm. thirty-three. Like That's you right. couldn't even really tell <laughs> by the way he was drawn. Yeah, I I agree. It was inconsistent. And Dale, to your point, I mean, Dale, you hit it right on the head where the character model of him like on the ground with his arm up like don't strike me and then three pages later he's built like a brick s house you're like it just doesn't make sense yeah but the um the i mean the cool parts you know the wife or i'm sorry the mother um you know who i guess presumably had an affair twice or was impregnated twice by thomas logan the groundskeeper and the first one the, they never officially went back to that storyline and told the story of, um, was it Jonathan Logan, the firstborn, or was it Thomas? Uh, I believe it was, I thought, yeah, I think okay. it was Jonathan. Don't they, re, like, recount it in Wolverine well, they the went, they, Paul Jenkins came back, they made a big deal of it years later, Paul Jenkins came back to tell the bookend version of this story, which is Wolverine the End, where Logan meets up with that brother, John Logan or John Hallett and it's the future mm-hmm. it's like kind of this weird Blade Runner futuristic uh, era and John Logan at this point is this aged almost samurai character like really old looking has like this long goatee and he they talk and and Wolverine's actually pretty old too and they they meet and then the the entire story is their relationship and it was not very good and i I wish I never read it, but it, it's kind of like I was actually even more upset because Paul Jenkins had told origin at that point, which I loved. And then they, he had the chance to tell the bookend of the story and it was not very good. Yeah, he did. A, uh, I think way back when, when we were still the comics podcast, I did a review called the best and worst uh, books of the decade. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I said, you know, you know, book best book of the decade, you know, Wolverine Origin, worst book of the decade, Wolverine the End, both written mm. by the same guy. Yeah, it was very strange. Like, I'd love if they would go back. I mean, they told the story of his son, obviously, and it'd be, it'd be interesting if they would go back and tell the story of that other brother. 
but yeah. maybe that'll be a few years down the line. They just brought a dog back, so who knows? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, they they did a good job by letting, um, leaving more desire to find out more, but that's probably good that they, you know, they didn't explore that right away because mm-hmm. there's so, there was so much left as a, as a guy who only semi knows probably from talking mostly to you guys. But I mean, if I guess it would, like, I couldn't tell if the other son, John did the, did made those scars and then never really explicitly stated that he, she had the affair like it was only I could only assume because when Logan uh, breaks back into the house, he's like, you know, I'm we're getting out of here and I'm taking you with me. And she's almost like, OK, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Like she yeah. wasn't fighting it. I was like, I could only assume that between that and talking with you guys, you know, that they had something they shared mm-hmm. something and she was attracted to that. There was. Mess. Yeah, I think a lot of it was like heavily implied, like the affair between those two, like, on my first read when this book came out, like, I didn't catch it all. Like, that Thomas, the groundskeeper, at mm. that point had an affair with the mother and that James was their son. Like, that was, like, totally lost on me. Because a lot of it, you only are reading through with looks that they give each other and, you know, just kind of how he grows up. He looks just like him. And then eventually probably what you read on the internet, like a review, and then you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, and I I couldn't, and, and again, more implication was, you know, the uh, grandfather, like, as soon as everybody sees these bone claws pop out of his hands, it's like, it's almost like it's either there's proof that it's not Howlett's son and it's Tom, like, it's, it's, uh, there's so much implication, but not really stated mm-hmm. that the bone claws are proof that. Not only is it an abomination because he's got claws for hand, you know in his hands, but it's proof that it's just more proof uh, and evidence that you know soft John didn't have a hand and and he's not and these abominations are not part of the Howlett family. Yeah, come to think of it, I'm not sure whether the grandfather uh, disowns uh, James or just figures out that it's not his real grandson. I don't think it's there very was, clear. There's a like a specific page. And scrolling through, there's a lot of great panels of James Logan with luscious hair. But I'm looking for the page with the grandfather where he tells him to beat it. And he, like, tells him to get on a train. But he makes, like, a weird comment where, you know, I have to do this because you're my blood. But and then he states, like, I have no grandson. Yeah. Where yeah. he, like, yeah. almost contradicts himself. Um, let me see if I can find it. I'm coming to do more than I should because this beast remains connected by blood, much as it pains me to imagine it. But I shun the revolting thing as I would shun a rabid animal. The last of my line died yesterday. I have no grandson. And I couldn't figure out if he was saying that metaphorically because he was disavowing knowledge of them Mm -hmm. by sending them away, or he knew. Because the the line about the blood confused me. Because if it, it wasn't... He's not the father to the mother he's the father to the father you know soft john or whatever his name is so i I couldn't understand why he was saying that blood comment because it's entirely possible that he didn't know by that line there was a lot of things like left in the air when this book came out like 
almost lost in where you get annoyed that more questions were raised and it mm-hmm. doesn't answer what I wanted. And I think that was a lot of it too, where you wanted to find out more specifically what happened to Weapon X or Silver Fox or, and this told the era of him being a kid and it didn't answer like big questions, you know? Yeah, they 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 stayed pretty concentrated within like a five or six year period or or a little around that before Wolverine really goes on adventures and starts living, you know, every man's life and time. Like they really stuck to one story, and that you know that probably annoyed people, but that I mean, I think it was enough story for these six issues. Like any more, any spread further out, and you would have had even more questions because there would have just been gaps in time that he didn't they didn't address. Like you know the uh, the the years spent in that mining town could have been several, but you just you know it's it's kind of glossed over as it is and only mm-hmm. hits on major points and the um what's interesting too is so i'm not sure if everyone's aware that's listening but they're doing origin 2 that tells the story of uh, kind of the first time i heard of it very close to or several years where he's still kind of in the wilderness and it's written by Kieran Gillen uh-uh. And drawn by the other Kubert, my favorite Kubert, Adam Kubert. Um, but the large cloud over this, um, as we all remember, when Uncanny X Men was rebooted, Kieran wrote it and right. was in love with uh, one character. Oh no! Please don't tell me, Mister Sinister. Oh. And the word on the street is that Mr. Sinister plays a big part oh, in come on. this origin miniseries. Oh, I'm sure uh, we'll find out that Mr. Sinister is really Romulus or some <laughs> BS like Actually, that. Actually, I wouldn't mind that because Romulus is literally the worst. Um, but so I'm, I'm hesitant. a Wolverine-like character, I've very, and I've been there the whole time leading you around. Very tempered enthusiasm oh. for this because I love Adam <laughs> Kubert. And I love Wolverine. And anytime he draws Wolverine, I snatch it up. But the Kieran Gillen, not Kieran Gillen alone wouldn't make me hesitant, but Kieran Gillen plus Mr. Sinister because he just has a heart on for that character. He loves him some Mr. Why? Sinister. He's a terrible character. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to make a new character for Marvel, and so he yeah. figured he'd use Sinister. Saving that for his Avatar press book. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see. I think it comes out very soon, actually. On the covers, uh, Kubert, I follow him on Instagram, and he's been posting a lot of, like, uh, pages that he's been working on and process picks, and it looks amazing. You know what? You know what's terrible? I'm going to buy it anyway. It's going to be hot garbage. Oh, my. And I'm just going to hand over my money. Oh, my. There you go. Um, but I, I, I loved I Origin uh, yeah. when I first read it. Not as much love when I, when I read, reread it just now, but I still greatly enjoy it. I think Weapon X is still my all-time favorite Wolverine origin story by Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, man. That's yeah. like just ma- a masterful <sighs> piece God. of art and work. Um, I could read that right now. Oh, my God. I might after this. Just Next to, week we're doing it for the book club. Is that what you're saying right now? <laughs> <laughs> I've already bought it and uh, <laughs> downloading read right the first now. three pages. Uh, downloading the HD files. So that's Wolverine origin. Anybody have any uh, closing uh, comments? Uh, just that this comic um, shares a strange sense of honor in my life. Uh, you know, the best man at my wedding, Fred, you guys know him, you met him. 
Uh, does not he does hates reading. Doesn't like comic books. Loves comic book movies. And uh, heard so much buzz about this comic back in the day. He actually borrowed it from me and sat down and read it. So wow, uh, the moving power of Wolverine origin. Um, my piece, um, definitely read it. Uh, I recommend it to anyone. And a special shout out to a friend of the show at Colpits on the Twitter. He uh, basically sent me this hardcover because he didn't quote have room in his apartment. And uh, the Wolverine Argent you hardcover are being constantly showered. That's with how gifts that's how I read it people. for the first time. <sighs> Amazing on my shelf right now. Amazing. Was this song playing in the background when you read it? Yes, like it was like a. As soon as I opened the book, it started. Desiree was just like started blaring. You see, you curling up on that couch, bringing your your feet up, getting that shawl wrapped around your shoulders. <laughs> just a reading montage. Mm. Uh, that's Wolverine Origin. Good book club. God, I can feel it already. It was a good book club. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Fact, I'm gonna read them to to you. Um, Letters at paperkeg.com. You know, we get a lot of letters. Sometimes we read them on the era. Uh, Yeah, you know, we're feeling it. First up is a short one from a good friend of the show, Catcher. In all seriousness, what would make a great Wolverine movie? The new one wasn't bad, but it wasn't amazing. What's missing? Question mark. Um, the only one that can answer that is uh, uh, our resident Wolverine aficionado, Slim. I have not seen the new Wolverine movie. No, it's, have uh, it's cued behind Iron Man 3 and... Pacific Rim and God knows what else on my list. Don't tell my wife, but I have pre-ordered the extended version on iTunes. You beautiful son of a bitch. Oh my gosh. It's coming out very soon. I enjoyed the movie. I didn't love it. It was, I think I compared it to The Last Samurai. But The Last Samurai was a better Last Samurai movie. The Japan should be the quintessential setting. You know, with the right director and the right story. And they they were like ninety nine percent there in the the Wolverine, but Madripoor is a great setting, seedy underbelly of a town by the docks, um, which would make a great second movie for them to try. I mean, what would make a great movie? I don't know. Madripoor is a great setting. Japan is just it's it's lush for an action movie, a samurai movie. It should be, but. Do they I just, know. I mean, does just, do they need, like, somebody he- heading up these projects that have a clear vision of what a comic book movie could be? Like, you know, because obviously you could blame, f- you know, the, any studio that's not Marvel. Mm. That's the easy, go- that's the easy go-to, like, easy explanation. I think Can a I, lot, uh, a lot of Wolverine, a lot of the great Wolverine stories that I love are minutia emotional stories like the brotherhood like that that's not a big budget movie that's just wolverine in a rundown apartment and eventually chasing after you know this gun militia group like that would be an amazing the brotherhood is a great potential movie greg rucka check him out 
You know, you are you have hit it on the head here, Slim, because the movie that springs into my head is Law of the Jungle, where he just goes and wrecks the mafia because he's he's taking revenge in the name of that little girl. I would almost rather see Wolverine as a James Bond esque character where he just gets into an adventure. There's no high handed you know Wolverine mythology to you know kind of be his baggage, and I think that's what they focus on a lot in these in these and I haven't seen the second one, so uh, I'm just you know guessing, but you know stop trying to be about inner conflict and stop trying to give him such a emotional air. let him be a b a a kicker and just get him into interesting situations. And, uh, you know, he's got claws, he's got powers, he's got, you know, stuff about him that's already action-oriented. Now just go and get him into an action situation. I don't... Can we do... There doesn't be any gravitas, you know what I mean? Can we do a book club on the movie when it comes out? Can we somehow work that into another, into a podcast somehow? It'd be a a special theme show. Movie Jug? Episode 130, maybe? Film keg? (laughs) Uh, I will say this, it, uh, it kind of... His stories kind of remind me of Rambo, where there should be like like a random scenario where he's in the jungle, minding his own business, and then exactly. something happens where elephants are being poached, human yes. slavery, <laughs> and he needs to you know shave his beard and just get down to business, oh which is God. very similar to what happened in actually this movie. He started with a beard, but Rambo Wolverine movies, there you go. At some point, he just flips over that backpack, and there's the Wolverine costume, oh. and he's gonna get into it. X is gonna give it to you. <laughs> uh, we'll resident, resident Earl Simmons, uh, <laughs> fan. the rumor is Mang- this episode Mangold, brought to you by DMX. Mangold and Hugh Jackman are supposed to, are in rumors to contract talks for a second the Wolverine. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Didn't Mangold did the first one? Right? He did the the most recent one. Wake yeah. up, Mangold! <laughs> now you know what. Honestly, though, if we did a book club version of the film, that yeah. would actually get me to watch the movie. I would well, because it's my duty. There you go. I think it comes out next week. I think you're right. You have you might have to pre order the uh, extended version like I did. Hopefully, my wife. Oh my god! Night. Maybe we'll do it. You know, a special Thanksgiving episode or something. Mm. Special Thanksgiving week, Black Friday week. Watch it! I can watch it on my uh, Xbox One when that comes in. See, son of a. Our next letter from friend of the show Don Garvey, Um, Chris Claremont's X Men run. The whole D thing can't possibly be that many more pages than Akira. The Legends would call you legends and this subject reads next epic readathon suggestion so don is postulating Holy smokes what that we read every single issue of Chris claremont's x-men run that, that doesn't sound feasible that there's more than 38 issues it's much uh, more the ram in my brain just went chuck, 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 chuck. i couldn't even process that my brain ram was done Brain That's, ram. How many issues it's did just he in do? My walk. My wife just walked past the laptop, and I had a heart attack. Uh, that's a very good question. You know, I don't know offhand. It has to be at least. I mean, he did X Men One Hundred. 
It's at least 100, 200 what? issues. Holy crap. Uh, it has to be. Uh, Don Garvey, come on, man. What are you doing? If it's 200 issues, we have to do it for episode 200. <laughs> Let's plan it now. Impossible. We would never, we wouldn't remember anything that happened. Uh, the X-Men were around a lot. Talking. St- storm. Storm. Uh, do you think Siri would be able to answer how many? Uh, I think it's, let's see. Briefly, Google says 180 issues. Oh, my God. Don, why do you even start this S? Why do you even put it in our arena? <laughs> Next up comes from the uh, our, our resident king of letter writing. At Dragonfro on the Twitter. I said before that I didn't know, quote, what in the H was going on in Infinity, unquote. And while that's still true, issue four was amazing. See my lightning round below. Really intrigued about the Defender stuff happening with Netflix. It's either going to be good or Daredevil. In parentheses, insert Jonesy mentioning the director's cut here. (laughs) (laughs) And his lightning round goes on to uh, say, Infinity number four, Thor Reckoning. Later, fellas, at Dragonfro on the Twitter. Mm. Thanks for the other Dragonfro. And I'm not going to fall victim to your troll bait. <laughs> Even though your troll bait director's cut was pretty darn good. <laughs> Much better than you give it credit for. I'm, I'm interested <laughs> to see how that, how that Net- Daredevil show is. We'll see. Uh, Bleeding Cool, Bleeding Cooled It, I think earlier in the week, and said they thought it was going to take place in the 70s. What? I don't know, I don't know about all that get out. What? Yeah, Bleeding bleeding Cool must have had a slow day. It's Bleeding Cool. What is... Bleeding Cool firm, Daredevil in the 70s on Netflix. The amount of advertisers... I think the article was just like, I'm just saying, guys, you know, it could happen. That's my Bleeding Cool voice. It was horrendous. That, much like Bleeding Cool. I think it was. I think he's English too. So you actually had to put that in there. English. Was that uh, all of our letters? Did we get any other ones? That was it. That's it. That what a show! It. Great show. I, I'm not even going to look at the timestamp of this GarageBand file because don't, I don't even don't know do if it's it. accurate. But this is going to be a heavily edited episode. Wow. As of long right long. now, it's already the longest show, and probably in 70 God. episodes. And guess what, Slim? I'm not going to say. We didn't do the new. We didn't even do it. I know. I know what you're going to say, you son of a gun. Edit that out. What a show. We'll see everybody next week. If you're, you know, you're on the crapper right now, be honest with yourself. Do it. Shoot us a review on the iTunes app. Helps people discover the show. Next week. Breaking Nyaz Bandette Maybe Dale's pick Dale batting a thousand on his picks Bandette From Dark Horse In print Or you can read the single issues on Comixology Work for Comixology I did not speak for my employers We'll see everybody next week
Poconosis, Tennessee. No sauce. Was a man from Should we cut Dunkin Should we uh, skip Fireside this week or what? I mean, we can we not talk about the hot garbage that was Man of Steel oh for my. two minutes? Oh my. Man. What pos- First of all, what, shot what possessed film. you to watch it at this point? If you had heard the spoilers, you had heard the negativity on the internet, what what was your mindset when you sat down on that den couch and put your feet up and had a Diet Cola? Here's, well, here's what it was. I, uh, I didn't have multiple Diet Colas. I, you know, I'm a recovering Diet Coke addict, so I did think about it. But I had my, I had my honey mead, you know, and my, and my glass there. And I threw on, you know, on the old Apple TV, I threw on the Man of Steel, and I'm like, you know what? Put it all out of your head and do it, you know, Mike Connolly from Echo Riff style. I'm going to get into the mindset that I'm going to appreciate the efforts of the people that went into making this film, and I'm going to come at it that way. And then what proceeded was the worst two hours of my 31-year-old existence. Wow. It was true. It, look, um, Zack Snyder beautifully shot film. I mean, every frame, what you could tell is attention to detail, very gorgeous. But this was not a Superman movie. This was a movie about, uh, you know, alien guy finds ship, a uh, big battle, and all the buildings go boom. Like, not any part of it felt like a Superman movie. And I'm not trying to say, I'm not like a Superman Returns apologist. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, for this day and age, you know, we should just stick with the you know, the Donner films. I, I know it has to be updated, so I'm not going to, you know, ring that bell. But I just thought it, it it just wasn't a Superman film to me. And it just didn't, and none of it clicked, I guess as I should say. I love Russell Crowe. 